Well, the state of Washington has uh, said no now. No more net pen uh, raising or net pen fish farms here in state waters. And uh, this has uh, been a decision that's been under consideration for a number of years and um, really precipitated by the collapse of a net pen off Cypress Island in 2017. Joining us now with some thoughts is a longtime wildfish advocate, a former fisher herself, uh, Ann Mossness. Good to talk with you, Ann. Nice to talk with you again. And I suspect that you see this as a real positive. I do, locally anyway, and it's been a long time coming. As I've said to you at various times, um, I probably paid attention to the fish farms in the 90s, uh, back when I learned that in four years, more than 613,000 non-native Atlantic salmon escaped from four pens for operations. So these escapes uh, are only in the news most recently when they've been most visible, but there's been ongoing leakage. There's been diseases. There's been all sorts of problems for decades, and uh, I started writing about it in the 90s. So, yeah, this has been a long time coming, and actually I was kind of surprised. Yeah? Uh, I, I su- surprised because of the financial interests, or...? Definitely. The fish farm industry has been dominant in our area because it's been largely funded by a federal agency, the Department of of, um, National Oceanics and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, but that is about two-thirds of the budget of the Department of Commerce. So when you have that mixed um, agenda of a federal agency, you know, to advance commerce, but then again, to protect the natural environment, I think commerce has been winning. So they've hired a lot of um, scientists uh, who've been working in this region in Washington. They've advanced a lot of uh, promotions and fundings for aquaculture projects and equipment and design. And um, they've had goals of putting aquaculture in the Strait of Juan de Fuca. Um, they're largely behind the strength of the industry, so that they're trying to go farther into the oceans. But uh, I was, you know, grateful to a strong person at, at uh, Department of Natu- uh, Natural Resources. I was pretty surprised. So this decision, this this uh, does this control? Um, I mean, does the state have its say over Puget Sound and so the and and its waters? Could, is there any way Noah could say no? We object to this and we want them back. Is we our state Department of Natural Resources has control over the state-owned managed aquatic lands. That's not the tribal lands. I mean, it's uh, tribal aquatic uh, areas. So there may possibly be some uh, fish farming. Jamestown Clallams, I believe, are, are wanting to do a shelf, uh, both a shellfish farm and a finfish farm. But for everything that DNR manages, this should not be usurped by NOAA. Um, I know there's a lot of discussion about trying to have more protection of our tide lines, uh, tide lands, and uh, reduce the amount of shellfish growing because of the impacts that that has on forage fish, which is really the base of the food chain for Chinook, which our our killer whales eat. But for now, it looks like uh, NOAA's jurisdiction is in the EEZ, which is as close as three miles to many of our state coastlines, 
as and 200 miles out. So that's really what NOAA has jurisdiction over, and that's really where NOAA is pushing hard to allow a fund promote marine feedlots. So we still have that. We we still need to worry about fish farms at three miles from the say salmon bearing rivers of our coastal areas. Okay. As far as the fish farms themselves, and uh, like you say, we we learn about them when there's a catastrophic failure, like there was in 2017. But and these fish escape. But what other kinds of impacts do they have? Well, in the decades that I've been looking at this business, uh, the, the the fish farms in our state waters, um, there have been outbreaks of uh, pathogens. Uh, so one time at a, an aquatic nuisance species task force, someone from the Department of Fisheries came in and said, oh, there's been an outbreak of um, a viral hemorrhagic septicemia in the fish farms. And there was a lot of agency people at these meetings, and so I was waiting for someone to say, okay, what's the protocol? And nobody asked, so I did. And the the person said, oh, well, we do have protocols in place. We have plans in case there's this, this kind of a you know, flushing of a, of a virulent virus. And I'm like, well, so what's your plan? And they said, well, actually, I said, how do you, how do you take a pathogen out of the water that's flushed from a fish farm? And they said, well, actually, we, we can't. So that was when I became just really, really concerned that it wasn't just the pollution, which I which was measurable. It wasn't just the parasites, which are really visible, especially on juvenile fish. That's especially what Alexandra Morton in British Columbia has focused a lot of attention on. But it's these uh, pathogens that uh, we don't see, and we won't know unless a farm reports that they've got sick fish. And if they do, then they're going to have to use medications. So then you have the introduction of chemicals, you know, like uh, algicides, paras, uh, uh, algicides and fungicides and, you know, any kind of medication that could kill viruses or bacteria, and that just flushes right into the marine environment. So it's the unseen uh, impacts of this industry that has it's been going on for decades in our water. And um, because... NOAA has scientists at University of Washington and at you know various places around our state, and the state of Juan de Fuca has actually been a target zone for expansion into the federally managed waters as well as offshore. They've kept a lid on uh, on on uh, information, so I and I know that because I organized a couple of events uh, a decade or so ago, and. No uh, scientists were even told, a climatologist was told not to come to our event because we we were focusing on aquaculture issues, and NOAA didn't want any uh, publicity about what we were doing. That, in fact, we were picketed. The shellfish industry actually picketed both events to keep people from coming. Okay, so... Uh... so I, and I know, yeah, you've had your um, your differences too with uh, shellfish farming. That's not affected by this decision by the state, and it doesn't seem that there's any the state plans any action in that area. Well, in my experience of going to a lot of meetings and going to political events and then organizing some, 
see that the shellfish industry is pretty active with uh, platters of free oysters, bottles of award-winning wines that go with oysters. They're almost always at most political events. Um, They were offered to me at events I organized. Um, A lot of very serious contributions, financial contributions, come to politicians throughout the state because um, shellfish growing goes on throughout the state. And, you know, those citizens that are trying to call attention to the impacts and most most of my concern is on the the little wild forage fish that are uh, spawning on our beaches and when beaches are bulldozed or covered with uh, shellfish you know big monocultured spreads of shellfish you lose the the little sand lance and pacific um Pacific sand lance, the Pacific herring, and surf smelt. That's the base of the food chain. You know, and so uh, coho and chinook don't have their food, and then killer whales, orcas don't have food. So, you know, because I commercially fished for so long, I, I, I really am concerned about the loss of the wild fish of a region. Well, I guess uh, as far as that, uh, this decision by the state, that it's a step in the right direction anyway, in, in your mind, the, the, the banning of net pen fishing, uh, fish farms? It is, because it's calling attention to the impacts of large-scale animal feedlots or animal farms. Uh, and when they are on uh, public lands or interfere with the, with um, navigation, you know, all the other activities, sports fishing, you know, any other activities that go on in a region where your net pens are in the way or the recreational kayakers or the people who want to use the beaches and they, they're, they're kept off because of gooey duck tubes. You know, when, when you have a large-scale animal production of any sort, it does interfere with biodiversity and, and human activities. So I'd say this is a big step forward. Um, uh, you know, I'm concerned that it isn't um, applying yet to all of these other kinds of food, big food production systems. We're not restoring nature, but it's a big step in the right direction. All right, uh, longtime wild fish advocate Ann Mosness, and and herself a fisher for many years uh, in our state and up in Alaska. And uh, always good to talk with you, Ann, and uh, appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Joe.